Welcome back to another episode of the One Piece of Mind podcast. I am your host, Nico White. And today, we're going to get started with our review for chapter 1017 of One Piece. Now then, before I even get to it, I just want to say thank you to you folks that have been downloading the podcast week after week. I really, really do appreciate it. And to thank you even further for your continued support of the One Piece of Mind podcast, I just want to say that if any of you would like to message me on Instagram at NicoWhite93, I will mail some very, very exclusive memorabilia of the podcast from me to you to thank you for your continued support. Now, without further nonsense... Let's go on and jump into it, huh? So, chapter 1017 of One Piece, titled The Order, right? I don't know where you guys read yours. I read mine on shuesha.com, so, you know, go check it out. I thought the cover page was cool. The cover page was buggy this week, right? And the reader request was a chimpanzee solving puzzles with Buggy's body. It was an interesting... Very, very interesting cover piece just because of the shapes that Oda decided to use. He used he used cubes, right? And each of these cubes are very, very much shaped like poneglyphs. And because they're shaped like poneglyphs and because Buggy was on Roger's crew, of course I saw this and had plenty of different theories, but this isn't the this is not the podcast for that. So we get started and we see that we're starting on the performance floor. We see Tama and we see that Queen has already taken notice to the fact that Tama is up there, right? And Queen's like, so what is that kid doing in the middle of this battlefield? Tama gets ready to start talking. And then Queen's like, yo, who are you? And we get this funny panel of Tama freaking out. She passes out, which I thought was very much character appropriate. And considering the way that Oda seems to do things, starting off with a joke was appropriate. So, Otama, you know, she falls out like, see, I, I don't want to say she had a seizure, but she had something very akin to a seizure. So, Otama falls out, you know, legs go straight up in the air. It's hilarious. And you have two cowards in Usopp and Nami running to her, running to her aid, talking about Tama hanging there, right? So, after that, we cut to the fourth floor. And this is something that people kind of gloss over. But um, yeah, Jinbei just got shot. Okay. People gloss over that just like it doesn't matter. No, Jinbei gets shot right in the back on the opening of page of the uh, fourth page, right? When it's revealed they're on the fourth floor. Oh, yes. Blam. Old girl is laughing. She shot Jinbei in the back. Jinbei's standing there, and who's who's just being a dick? Because he's like, oh, not a word of complaint, Jinbei? And you got to appreciate Jinbei for being very much a pain-soaking boss, no matter when you catch him, right? Jinbei never complains. Jinbei is like, Jinbei is like everybody's grandma, where Jinbei is just going to take the pain no matter what and going to act like it's just a part of his day. You know, 
Only my my grandmother was the only person I ever knew that was like that. And if you had a grandma like me, then you know what I'm saying. So who's who's being a dick just talking trash to Jim Bay? Like, oh, so not a word of complaint? Well, good good on you, Jim Bay. You know what I'm saying? And Jim Bay says straight up, like, look, from the start of this fight, we knew that this was a battle of 5,000 against 30,000. So we were always going to be outnumbered. And I never expected you to fight me one-on-one from the start. And this is why I appreciate Jimbe. Because Jimbe gives his compliment and insult the way that I would give a compliment and insult. To where it's like, oh, no, dog. I understand that I just got popped in my back. I never expected you not to be a bitch. Like, that's exactly how I would have approached that. And honestly, I feel in that way, Jimbe already won this. Jimbe already won this. Jimbe told that cat man, bro, I expected you to be pussy from the moment I met you. And look at you, living up to expectations just like I knew you would. Long live Jimbe, the real goat. But true indeed to the situation, Jimbe said something very, very keen. And it was funny to me who they decided to show in these panels, right? Because Jimbe said, when who's who made a point of going like, oh, okay, well, really perceptive of you to know that I wouldn't have fought you one-on-one and I would exploit the situation, right? He says, but you've been a real pain. And Jimbe responds, to that is like, well, that's right. Our job is to keep you officers occupied. And then we cut to Frankie briefly. He's in the Frankie Shogun. You can tell he's a little banged up and a little tired. And he says these grunts just keep swarming out of the woodwork. And the reason why I thought that was interesting is because I kind of, and this might shock some people when I say this, power-wise, I kind of put Frankie right wherever Jinbe is. And I know a lot of people might have a problem with that, and I don't care. But that's just that's just my own personal um power power rankings, right? And I don't know, for some reason, even though it's probably very, very much unrelated, I just thought that putting these two side by side was very, very appropriate as far as what they represent to the Straw Hat Pirates, both being older, both being very, very powerful. And I think with Frankie, we haven't even really scratched the surface with his power. You know what I'm saying? So him being like right there where Jinbe is, like the left and right to Luffy, as far as the older generation of the crew is concerned, yeah, it just fit. It fit. It was very wholesome for me. So we cut to all the different situations. We see that Frankie's outnumbered. We see that Inuarashi is outnumbered. And Jack is a bitch. Can we all just admit that? At this point, that Jack is just a punk. All right. The whole time since we've met Jack, it's been dirty trick after dirty trick or some sort of caveat. I'm waiting for Inuarashi to catch this fair fight with Jack. I just want to see how this goes down. Finally. So we see the gifters. They're all going crazy. They're eliminating all the traitors, right? So now we cut back to the live floor. And again, we have Nami and Usopp, the cowards, quote unquote, cheering Tama on. And I really like what happened here. 
because it made perfect sense. Like a lot of people, even me, I said earlier that Oda started out with the joke of Tama passing out. Now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it, is that really a joke? Or is that how a child really would react considering where she is and the intensity of the battle that's being fought? You know. So I know I would have passed out. If I'd seen a talking dinosaur, even if I would have expected to see a talking dinosaur, I would have fainted. And I don't know if I'd have got up in the time. Like Onigashima might have fallen by the time I'd have got up. So God bless OG Otama. <laughs> we get Nami and Usopp Cherry Otama on. And Otama says, All my friends who ate the Kibi Dangos, please listen up. You got to change sides and fight for Big Bro Luffy and Momonosuke. And when Otama does that, again, I just find it curious the juxtaposition that they chose. Because right at that moment, we see Luffy being worked on by the heart pirates getting water pumped out of them. We're seeing Momo and Shinobu are safe wherever they are. You know, Momo's still crying over Kinemon and Kiku's deaths. And in this time, Otama is basically taking the lead in the stead of the two leaders that are knocked out and saying, you got to help us beat Kaido. And upon giving the order, much like the chapter's title, everything changes. Because right at that moment, you see some of the people reacting to what happened. Like some of Kaido's forces, they react to um, Speed, I think her name is. And they call it Briscola in the um, manga. But they say, Briscola, what's the matter? And Queen's like, yo, somebody pound that little kid flat. Like whatever she's talking about. You know what I mean? And then the next thing you know, the gifters can't control the animals. You know what I'm saying? They start losing control. And the battle situation starts to go much, much different, right? So we see Daifugo, and thank God Oda adds their names in. Otherwise, I would definitely forget the names of these characters. But you see them start going in, right? And Jack's, you see punk-ass Jack sitting there going, hey, what's going on? Inuarashi, you, you just better, you, you just better do what you're supposed to do with Jack. I want Jack to die. We go a little further. The giraffe, the giraffe smile user, you know, he's doing his thing. Poker starts going in on who's who's subordinates and who's who's like, what are you doing, poker? Blah, 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 blah. CP0 doesn't know what's going on. Bao Wong's like, Oginashima is in complete chaos. And then back in the left brain tower, pleasure hall by the pond. Otam was getting her praise, right? Usopp says the plan was a smashing success. Queen notices whatever happened, and he says out loud, did that little kid do this? And I don't know what, what I'm looking at here, right? Because when Queen goes to attack Otama, Usopp, and Nami, we see 
a panel with them running away, right? And it could just mean that it could just mean that they ran. Maybe that's what it's alluding to. But the little symbol that it has, I'm not sure. I could be overthinking. It wouldn't be the first time. But I wonder if the little like spark that we see behind Usopp and Nami has anything to do with Usopp's observation hockey. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. You know what? I'm definitely wrong. Forget I even said it. But back to the chapter. We get Sanji coming in with the Collier strike. Knocking Queen right out of the way again. And Queen says, damn it, Judge's son. And Sanji's like, look, don't ever say that name to me. Are you a part of his insane research team or something? And Queen goes, you mean Mads? That was ages ago. Just look at my body. I'll, I'll come straight with you. I'm a cyborg. And then the next thing we see is Queen in his hybrid form. And Sanji goes, was that supposed to be a secret? Like, it's obvious. And, like, I'm not a big fan of Queen's hybrid form, but I was a big fan of Dr. Octopus. And he kind of looks like Dr. Octopus. In weird theory, I wonder if Queen is actually just controlling somebody. Like, if Queen himself is just a man that's controlling a cyborg that ate a devil fruit. I wonder. I wonder what happens. Because, you know, considering the fact that his neck... You know what I'm saying? His, the man's neck was like latched on. You know what I'm saying? In pieces. So I'm just, I'm just curious about that. I wonder. So we get the back and forth between Queen and Sanji and I thought that was dope. And then we cut to Sanji asking Chopper if he's alright. And Chopper says in this kind of weird voice, Hey, I'll be fine. You just focus on yourself, Sonny. Chopper's talking like an old-ass man. And Sanji's, Sanji even points out, like, uh, okay, but I can't help but worry. And we cut the chopper, and I guess the effects of Caesar's... The effect of Caesar's um, drug that he helped Chopper with, uh, the rumble ball, last 30 minutes, is that Chopper turns into a cheat. But... We find out that there's a super drug for Zoro that he can take that'll heal him right up, with the downside being that he'll then get double the damage later. I have a theory um, episode coming on that tomorrow, so keep your eyes out for that. I don't mind this at all. I don't mind this at all. I don't mind this being something that they had on Zoe. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Because I definitely think Oda's going to make us pay for it more than he usually would. I think the pain that Zoro's going to end up in is going to be very extreme, and I think it's going to come at the worst possible time. You know, a lot of people think this is going to be like, oh, another nothing happened the moment. No, no, no. I think something bad is definitely going to happen here. You know. So now we get to the end of the chapter, and at the end of the chapter, we see Who's who pull his dagger out, right? And he pulls this very small knife out of a sword sheath. So, you know, this guy's out of his mind. 
But he starts doing the old Rokushiki techniques that we see with the CP9, right? The upgraded version of the finger pistols, that's a dagger pistol or blade pistol is what he called it. Jinbei blocks it with Fishman Karate and Arabesque Brick Fist. Who's who gets out of the way with shade? He uses Tempest Kicks. First time we've seen that in God knows how long. Jinbei blocks that with Armament Hockey. And then you see Jinbei go, well, should I call this Iron Body? Those are the six powers. The fighting abilities of the government agents, which reminds me, I heard about a member of the secret government agency, CP9, who escaped from jail. Seems strange that a secret agent would be in prison, however. So, who's who goes into his hybrid form? And it's a pretty cool looking hybrid form. And the form that he took right before he went hybrid was actually pretty, pretty ridiculous looking. Like, I mean, like a great way. It was ominous. So, we see who's who, and he says that the reason he was in prison was because of a mistake that happened 12 years ago, right? He said back then he used to be compared to a genius like Rob Lucci, and he was a member of CP9. And the reason that he landed in jail was because he was guarding a devil fruit, right? And the devil fruit was stolen, and the government locked him up for it. And then he tells Jinbei, like, you know, me and you have never met. And Jinbei's like, well, that's the reason you got locked up. I feel bad for you, but I have nothing to do with that. So what's your beef with me? And who's who says, no, you said that you're a proud member of the Straw Hat Pirates. And that's what triggered me. Because two years ago, when Straw Hat came to prominence, I had to find out that he ate the, he ate the devil fruit that was stolen off the government ship that I was guarding, the Gummo Gummo no Me. And then the chapter even states that the Gummo Gummo no Me, make sure. Yep. The, the straw hat had eaten the very gum gum fruit that was stolen from that ship. So, it's stated right here that the gum gum fruit that Luffy ate that he found in Makino's bar that Shanks had was stolen from the government ship that who's who was guarding. Now, this has led to a whole bunch of theories, right? Some people are saying that, you know, well, Shanks got it for a reason, blah, blah, blah. I think there's a lot here and there's nothing here. It's all in how you decide to interpret it, right? So me thinking that there's a lot here, I'm gonna go this route. Considering that it ended up with Shanks and considering the fact that Shanks seems to be cool with the world government. Now, again, he seems to be cool. From what we know about the world government, it's not too far-fetched for me to think that who's who was just a pawn. You understand that who's who was just a pawn. Who's who could have just been somebody that, all right, yeah, sure. It's your job to bring it here and then if shanks actually does work for the government or works for the um five elder stars they send shanks and he sends lucky rude to go get the fruit whatever have you blah 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 and the events go the way they go right or shanks was looking for that fruit in particularly or there's a theory that shanks was looking for 
the dark dark fruit and the gum gumu no me and the gum and the um dark dark fruit look very similar to one another there's always been that um i don't know i'm of the belief that The reason the government wants the rubber rubber fruit or the gum gum fruit is because back in Romance Dawn, the original One Piece, I think they said like the gum gum no me was a part of the original devil fruits. I think that might still be the case. You know, I don't know that I believe that this fruit is Rocks Dizabek's old devil fruit. I don't know if that's the case. I'm more willing to believe that it could have been the treasure on God Valley. I'm willing to believe that. I'm willing to believe that. I'm not willing to believe that this was Rock's Dizabek's old devil fruit. Just because to me, it doesn't make any sense that the characters that have interacted with Luffy up until this point have never mentioned anything about that fruit. Every single Yonko that we've met so far has a relationship to Rock's D. Zabek. Every single one. With them having that relationship to Zabek, they should recognize the fact that Luffy has their captain's old fruit. Now, you could say, well, oh, you know, Rocks D. Zebek wasn't a character back at that time. Well, he's at least been a character since, since it was mentioned in the manga by Garp that if the Rocks Pirates were to come back, it could really be a problem. And even since then, none of Bianco. None of the people that have already interacted with Rocks have commented on the fact that Luffy even uses his devil fruit. I just find that to be really, really strange. So, for some reason, with the gum gumu no meat being in Luffy's possession, I'm of the belief that they don't want people to know the importance of the Gumbo Gumbo no Me. Only a very select few people do. And it kind of makes me believe that the pirate that Shanks went there to talk to the five other stars about might have been Luffy. Because after the events that are about to happen, Luffy is going to be a great pirate. And if Shanks' observation hockey is as galaxy-brained as we think it is, then it's likely that him and Luffy are going to have to meet soon, and he might know that. Shanks makes his move this year, y'all. What would that move be? I'll have my own cockamamie theory on that in the next video. I said video. <laughs> in the next episode. So... I want to thank you all so much for tuning in to the One Piece of Mind podcast. My review for this chapter is as follows. I think chapter 1017 was absolutely epic. I think Oda did a great job of keeping us wanting more, relaying a whole lot of mystery, and throwing it back all the way to chapter one. 
I think everyone should go reread Romance Dawn. Okay? I think everybody should go do that. Go read the official pilot of One Piece. And I think we'll figure out the importance of the gum gum fruit all in that. And I think we're about to really start getting the differences between pirates like Luffy and pirates like Blackbeard. The Peacemane and the Morganeer. I think these things are about to come into play really, really soon. So, thank you all so much. Follow me on Instagram at NikoWhite93. That is N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3. God bless and peace out. This episode is brought to you by Voodoo Ranger. It's beer. It's hoppy, trend-setting, innovative, served with a little sarcasm, just like Paperhouse Network. Paperhouse Network is hoppy? Uh, yeah? It's like beer for your ears. Get yourself a Voodoo Ranger! Hey, babies, it is me, the self-appointed commissioner of comedy, James Matter. I just want to tell you that every week I'll be wherever you listen to podcasts with my show, The Commissioner of Comedy. I've been doing this, babies, for almost 20 years, grinding up and down, and I'm here to convey it to you about the do's and don'ts of the comedy scene, the proper etiquette, the unwritten rules, if you will. Whether you're just a fan or you're a young buck starting out, a grizzled old vet, or just someone who wants to peek behind the curtain and see how the sausage gets made, tune into the podcast, The Commissioner of comedy this is what it's about it's only on paper house network and it's for you babies it's for you